The year is 2018, and the Star Wars prequel, spotlighting young Han Solo, is released in theaters. Some say it's an unnecessary retread of an iconic character, but does it truly deserve that reputation? I'm Lana Saito. And I'm Travis Kirkland. And this is Defend Your Trash Movie. Welcome to a fine, wonderful time here on Defend Your Trash Movie, the podcast that examines bad movies and misrepresented films to see if they're actually good. And Luana, not only is this episode Star Wars themed, but this is our final movie of the season, season two. Oh my god! Well, we're we're going out with with a blast, with with a with a with a blaster bolt, perhaps shooting first (laughs) (laughs) well we'll talk about who shoots first but uh since we are talking about star wars i think a good way to close out this uh or not close out the season but close out this movie discussion would be to uh do a star wars theme version of our freedom form conversation segment pop the culture and luana what's that travis so Years ago, not really years ago, but in internet years, it can feel like years ago, uh, we covered Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. That was our first ever Warzy movie that we covered for the pod. And uh-huh. uh, I would say that we were nicer to that movie than I think other people, definitely. Uh, uh-huh. But uh, you know what? I was actually going through my show notes um, a few weeks ago, just seeing, oh, what were, you know, what were the beginnings of the show of the podcast like? And I discovered in my show notes that I actually had a few talking points with Rise of Skywalker that I forgot to bring up during our recording. Oh, I'm always curious for people's opinions on Star Wars. No, wait, let me rephrase that. I'm always <laughs> curious for people whose opinions I respect on Star Wars. <laughs> well, you'll, uh, well, we'll see if you respect me after these. So I actually had, <laughs> uh, uh, we, I think we just got caught too caught up in just, you know, whatever else came into our head when we were recording right. that episode. But I actually had two specific ideas for things that I think could improve rise of skywalker and i want to introduce them to you and look okay. Luana, i want this is i want you to be honest i don't want it to be like i'm some little kid and i drew a crappy drawing of like my house oh. and my pet and you're and you have to say that it looks good or something you you know you're a star wars fan you're true blue you have some strong opinions some strong opinions that i'm sure we'll get to when discussing today's movie so i want to hear what your unvarnished honest opinions on my ideas for rise of skywalker on Okay, so I'll not try to be a diplomatic Ryan Johnson talking to JJ Abrams. <laughs> I'll be okay. I'll be I'll be I'll be true blue. Okay, I'll be okay. Go ahead. So go here's ahead. my first idea, and again, I'm sure all you listeners are having your jokes like, oh yeah, it's not gonna need more than a few ideas to improve Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> but look, here's something that I thought of that I think could at least be a some a little bit of an improvement. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in Rise of Skywalker, we're introduced to the First Order 
officer played by Richard E. Grant. And we discover that Richard E. Grant is actually a Sith cultist who is controlled and is basically a puppet for Palpatine. Right. Uh, side note, in case you don't remember, somehow Palpatine did return. Um, I don't oh. think, in case you, uh, <laughs> you forgot that he did return in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. So, um, and I think Richard E. Grant's a great actor. And, you know, I don't think he's bad in that movie. But I think there could have been a better way to utilize Richard E. Grant in a villainous role. So here's my idea. Mm-hmm. So instead of having Richard E. Grant as a First Order officer who's under control of Palpatine, what if we did something that was... Okay, so, like, if you already pay it... You know, I'm not the first one to obviously make these parallels, but many people uh, have compared how the First Order is often uh, pretty comparable to, like, the right wing uh in america right now in the way that their fascism has certain kind of framing techniques and speech techniques um and so i think well what if we kind of really doubled down on that what if we actually made it more concrete so here's my idea is that richard e grant is not a first order officer but what if uh Instead, Richard E. Grant was like the leader of the Sith cultists that right. are on the uh, what's the planet? What's the Sith Exegol. on Exegol? Um, and so, sort of like if we're making these parallels, sort of like how like the right wing fascist American government uh, has associations with like groups like the KKK or right. white nationalist groups like that. Well, what if you had it so like? essentially the first order was basically like the white house and rick and the sith cultists were like the kkk so like first order is about fascism through government and you have the sith cultists as the kkk these are the fascists who basically go through the extreme measures that who kind of have a hush hush uh, relationship with the government kind of one of those unspoken things right, right, right. but uh and that the government or the first order would never officially approve of right. the methods of those radical groups but they aren't going to stop the actions right. of those radical groups mm-hmm. um, ha- um but yeah i think that would be a better way to u- utilize richard e grant and i think that draws the parallels to real life uh 21st century fascism a little better if we're trying to do those comparisons um what do you think um i think that we had i don't know if i ever told you my ideas for rise of skywalker but they are eerily similar (laughs) i think you might have talked about them maybe in the episode but please a refresher essentially like uh i had uh uh, I, I started from the idea that um, the return of Palpatine was probably something that was like studio mandated. Like, oh, we need a big blowout. Bring the bring the big villain back. We want uh-huh. right. uh, you know a crowd pleaser. We want to you know uh, shush the the naysayers from the last movie who thought it went too off script or whatever. So bring McDermott back. So I was like, okay, how can we do that? and make it not stupid and not make it like oh by the way palpatine was the puppet master for everything 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, as they ended up doing. Um, <laughs> so um, essentially have Richard E. Grant and like there's 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 like this um, there's like this meeting of first order people at the start mm-hmm. of the movie mm-hmm. and make it kind of like a sort of uh deep government or what do they call it deep government deep state yeah deep state um, mm-hmm. yeah uh, a deep state government of like rich people and like former uh, or like retired military guys and whatever being like oh okay you know uh, we got our fucking shit pushed in by um you know that supreme leader snoke guy got killed by the young hothead kid and we don't seem to have a handle on him let's bring back classic coke aka <laughs> palpatine right and the problem is that so they uh, jumped into bed with Sith cultists, like mm-hmm. you say, who are kind of like the uh, the guys who who would have tattoos that would make them unemployable, mm-hmm. as opposed to your, mm-hmm. your regular uh, yeah, racist, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, white collar uh, racist. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And um, and so that that sort of deep state council that I was imagining Richard E. Grant to be like a prominent member of. I'd be like, okay, so you guys can deliver on a, on a controllable Palpatine, something like a zombie puppet or whatnot, just enough life in that corpse to us uh, for us to do the occasional Al Qaeda video, mm-hmm. you know? And so like the um and they're like, Yeah, we can we can do it, man, we can do it. Um and uh and have that like slowly start like these uh like these sort of KKK guys. Mm-hmm. Are also kind of out of their league doing this ancient Sith magic. They're just mm-hmm. like these, you know, alt right internet shit poster type mm-hmm. of guys. Uh, but then, like, oh no, you know, Palpatine actually was an ancient Sith Lord, and you know, uh, poking poking the veil makes it, uh, you know, makes it um, is something bigger than we all thought, and ultimately have a big uh, sort of, you know, at the end of Evil Dead Two, when like the evil manifests through the door and there's yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. the big ugly uh, head yeah yeah indeed like have like this giant like um ian mcdermott based puppet monster that ray mm. and kylo have to team up to to fight because mm-hmm. like it completely went out of out of hand because the rich people paid a okay. bunch of yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know space nazi shit posters to dig in deeper to whatever and that kind of like one would um kind of bring um further the themes of last jedi where like you know the, whoever is fighting there's a bunch of rich people that profit mm-hmm. like you know having richard e grant's deep state council be like uh you know this this fucker snoke didn't work out can we go back to the old recipe you know right <laughs> and, right right and it would have kind of um you, you would have had a palpatine to put on posters without literally having everything the first order whatnot having been machinations of palpatine yeah they're they're thereby turning the sequel trilogy into kind of star wars 2 palpatine's revenge you know <laughs> exactly um, and um and st- you know giving a fun monster movie ending to like here it's not quite palpatine as you knew him but here's ian mcdermott maybe maybe doing some right. mocap acting or you know or, or a big cgi slash puppet creature that's kind of based <laughs> off of yeah, uh, yeah. off of ian McDiarmid. but um yeah that was that was my uh, idea for like um not not selling out completely but also kind of um 
kind of acquiescing, uh, no, not acquiescing. Yeah, maybe it's acquiescing. The, the big studio heads being yeah. like, put Palpatine in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I was pretty close to, uh, I think you and me were pretty close to what we're thinking about those yeah. cultists. Yeah. Uh, so we seem pretty simpatico on this idea, but let's see how you are with my second idea. Right. And let me preface this by saying that this idea is very silly. I'm going to say this. Okay. And, and while I'm in Star Wars, no. I know. Well, okay. You, you listen. Okay. Because <laughs> look, I know I said this is an improvement. And when I say improvement here, I think people, if, the, if my idea did happen, I think people would think it was stupid, but also in a way, in a way, it feels like. If this had happened, I don't think it would be the most outrageous thing to happen in everything that had already happened up to that <laughs> point in Rise of Skywalker. Okay, but let me get to it. So, in fact, it's good that you brought up the finale because this this does have to do with the finale. So, in the movie, uh, Ray goes to fight Palpatine, then Kylo joins her. Kylo defeats Knight, the Knights of Ren, and then Kylo and Ray take down Palpatine. So that's right. the ending. Okay, so while I was watching the movie in theaters, when I was seeing Rise of Skywalker in theaters, I was watching all this happening. I wasn't having exactly a bad time, but I was sort of enjoying like, oh, there seems to be some stupid stuff happening in this movie. What what <laughs> else stupid is going to happen? So, so the Sith cultists are in... Okay, so this movie uh, that takes place on Exegol, we're dealing with Sith, uh, Sith cultists who are always in these cloaks and we're dealing with clones. Like we see that, you know, there's a whole bunch of Snoke clones in the beginning, just clone, 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 clone. So this movie rise of Skywalker that I was watching had gone so kind of making weird fan servicey decisions that I half wondered if this was a surprise, a legit surprise that they were keeping from us. So imagine this. Kylo has defeated the Knights of Ren and comes to join Rey to defeat Palpatine. Uh -huh. <laughs> Palpatine is like, well, if you, uh, if you, you know, you may think that you can defeat me, but can you defeat my greatest pupils? And then two of the Sith cultists come out from the shadows, still in their cloaks. One cloak comes off and... Duel of the Fates hit. It's a clone of Darth Maul. <laughs> Yay, why not? <laughs> and then suddenly you hear. <sighs> <laughs> and then the second cultist pulls off their cloak. And it's a clone of Darth Vader, baby. So that means that Rey and Kylo have to take down clones of Darth Maul and Darth Vader. Again, <laughs> this is stupid. But I actually thought while I was watching the movie in theaters, like, oh, could that happen? Is like, right, right. could this, and also I'm like, I don't know, would this be the worst thing to happen in this movie at this, right. at this point? <laughs> um, So I am gonna suggest that like, yeah, why not? Like live if all the, like, you know, you know, what, what if this silly, how do you feel about that? Luana, if I, if this silly idea of Ray and Kylo having to fight clones of Maul and Vader, how, how do you feel about that? It's it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, 
but I also think that's one of those things that uh, I mean it could be fun. It could be fun and 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 entertaining, but it's also not a thing that I would kind of put past Disney. Uh, in, <laughs> right. You know, like the way you described it as, as thinking like, could this movie be trying to serve that up right now? <laughs> um, no, yeah, totally. Um, and but you'd have to sell it in the sense that like. Maul would have to have be like kind of I don't know dead eyed and drooling to be like yeah this is this is just a a, a half a half wit uh, you know biological material version of Maul and like Vader you know same thing and Vader the it kind of brings up the logistics problem of like why would you clone Vader in the sense that why not just clone like Anakin before he was burned I mean why would they clone Snoke why is Pal anyway never mind. But again, like, <laughs> look, I, again, I'm just giving my stupid idea on the pile of already stupid ideas just happening in the movie. Uh, so no, I, no, I, I, I think that, that that's one of those like it, it would have been fun in the sense, you, you know, in the in that old Showa sense and like later Showa era is like, and here's King Ghidorah. Why not? You know, because you know, like, was it? um, um Was it with that? Uh, Titanosaurus, where it was Gigan just randomly also shows up. Oh, Godzilla versus Megalon, where Gigan also is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, okay, sure. You know, we just need an extra goon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so in in that sense, like, oh, you know, we're nine Star Wars movies deep. Sure, <laughs> you know. Uh, I mean, I can't yeah. help but feel like somewhere on the internet there is at least a Star Wars fan film where that idea has yeah. played out, <laughs> where like two cloak figures enter and it's. Darth Maul and Darth Vader, and it's like to these geeky filmmakers, the coolest thing ever, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no, absolutely, and and uh, mm -hmm. I think they do briefly fight in Rebels. Okay, um, they okay. I haven't watched Rebels yet, so I don't know. Yeah. Okay. But well, yeah. Uh, the and those are the OGs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but uh, it's one of those things where I'm like, uh. It, We've seen worse stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I wouldn't necessarily throw that in there to quote unquote fix anything. <laughs> but, but like, I'd why like, not? Uh, you're, you're at the we're at the over two hour mark of that movie. You so know, why you not? know, you know what would make what would sell me on that is uh -huh. that if like if like Ray like totally fucking demolished them uh -huh. <laughs> to like set, kind of send a message to like the the. The fanboys who hate her, like, nah, Ray could fucking kill. No, no, people. no. What has to happen <laughs> is that she's almost killed by the the two of them, but then Kylo kills them both. That's how no. it has to happen. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. how Star Wars is. Star Wars has mm -hmm. to be like that. Okay, okay, sure, sure. You're you're right. You're right. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Me a man tells you a woman how Star Wars gotta be. That's how it's always gotta be. Um. Uh. <laughs> uh so yeah. Uh. Kath Kathleen Kennedy. I'm ready. You know. If you get sick of Dave Filoni, I'm here to uh, take his place. Buddy, I'm sick of Dave Filoni. You can take, <laughs> you can take his place on my. Account. <laughs> uh, uh. But look. Uh. You know. Hey. Let's not stop the Star Wars talk here with pop the culture. Let's continue the Star Wars talk with our final movie of the season, Solo, A Star Wars Story. You're after something. 
Is it revenge? Money? Or is it something else? You look good. A little rough around the edges, but good. Heard about a job. Big shot gangster putting together crew. I'm a driver. And I'm a flyer. I waited a long time for a shot like this. What do you think? Well, what do you know? You got a line on a ship? Yeah, I know a guy. He's the best smuggler around. I heard a story about you. I was wondering if it's true. Everything you've heard about me is true. Whoa. <laughs> L3! Let's go with the mean man's face. Who are these guys? If you come with us, you're in this life for good. You might want to buckle up, baby. give you some advice. Assume everyone will betray you, and you will never be disappointed. I got a really good feeling about this. Since when do you know how to fly? 190 years old? You look great. Push it! Solo, a Star Wars story directed by Ron Howard, was released on May 25th, 2018. It stars Alden Ehrenreich, Amelia Clark, Woody Harrelson, Donald Glover, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and many others. Now, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk at length about our thoughts and feelings and opinions on the movie itself, probably get into the behind-the-scenes drama with the making of this film. But I want to start off our film discussion by trying to answer this simple question. Was this movie doomed for failure always? Hmm. Uh, you, you mean in the sense that like in the, you can't mm-hmm. you can't recast Han Solo? In or? the way that like yeah, like, obviously, like, sure, when Disney bought Star Wars, you know, you knew that they were going to make a bazillion Star Wars things, and they have. And, you know, doing these spinoffs of different characters, expanding them into, like, movies and TV shows, I think, you know, I think one might have guessed that. But I guess to do a Star Wars movie that's a spinoff, but based on what I would argue is the most popular Star Wars character of all time, mm-hmm. who was made famous by one of the most famous celebrities of the 20th century. But to do that with a different actor, you know, it it, it seemed like a lot of you, you know, that they were setting them up. Disney and Lucasfilms were setting them up already for a lot of scrutiny outside of just being a Star yeah. Wars movie, you know? Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's the closest you get to recasting Indiana Jones, I, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
and and the, there's not really a James Bond style tradition of it. Uh, yeah. In that, oh yeah, so it's uh, yeah. the new Han Solo. Yeah. Or, well, if they had only waited a few years and they would have had the technology from Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny, <laughs> they could have had DH digital Harrison no. Ford. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, I mean, it feels like, you know, it's such a monumental task. And sure, like if you quote unquote pull it off, maybe you get celebrated. But if you don't pull it off, you know, there's a lot of targets on your back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the fact that, uh, you know, of course, Rise of Skywalker was already in production. But like the fact that this one um, actually kind of bombed. Uh, well, that kind of Hollywood bomb of yes, it made yeah, millions Hollywood. of dollars, more money than you'll ever see. But because this movie was so over budgeted, it's like, oh right. no, only five hundred million dollars. It's a failure. <laughs> we can't live off of five million dollars. Exactly the the, um, and you know they haven't made a Star Wars movie since. I mean, if if they did not have Rise of Skywalker in production already and kind of needed to finish the trilogy. I bet this would have been the one that made them, you know, go scamper and lick their wounds. Like we need to re, we need to restructure here. We need to rethink things. Mm -hmm. um, because yeah, like you say, I, I just checked uh, uh, box office mojo. Apparently, mm -hmm. the worldwide take was just south of four hundred mil. Oh no, not but like yeah, exactly. Mil. That's even worse. <laughs> if uh, I actually posted about that when uh, Dial of Destiny came out. Uh, and and because like you know, Dallas Destiny is also one of those Hollywood bombs, and it, it made several hundred million dollars. But like, if that's not enough to recoup your budget, then fuck you. That's on you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And uh, it, and the thing about this movie's legacy is like, unlike I think Rise of Skywalker, where people think about that and react real negatively, I feel like Solo was just has been kind of forgotten. Like. The movie right, yeah. was it, like it maybe the movie wasn't even necessarily negatively received, but more like tepidly received. Yeah, exactly. Which is really weird for a Star Wars movie. Yeah. People, people either go nuts for it or fucking hate it. <laughs> so, and this one's uh, just kind of like a, it's a, uh, this one's like a shrug to people, you know. Yeah, right. Like right, a, right. Well, and this this came out in 2018 before The Mandalorian. Um for and uh, I actually feel that in this this type of story would have been um ideal for a disney plus miniseries like just the movie that you have here just cut it into like four pieces drop it on disney plus that's the kind of backstory that is not necessarily a theater going experience but like a, a fun little backstory that if you're really into star wars you can check it out you know because uh, if you if you like han solo but you're kind of casual about it you can just you can just watch star wars yeah <laughs> and um, uh you know, let's go ahead and get into this movie and our thoughts and feelings. And I want to say this. Maybe the most controversial thing about this movie that I will say is that I actually do like Alden Ehrenreich as Solo. I do right. like his performance. Is that, is that the controversial thing? I mean, I think, again, like, I mean, there's like a couple maybe controversial things. But like, I'm sure that like that was that's that was always going to be you know, maybe the biggest hump this movie had to get over was like, yeah, right. you're recasting one of Harrison Ford's iconic roles right. with this, uh, not a nobody, but an up and comer who wasn't like quite a household name. But right. uh, yeah, but and I know he received 
even before the movie, he received a lot of flack for just, you know, daring to, you know, take on such a role. But mm-hmm. I gotta say, overall, I I like his solo. I think he I I will say occasionally him trying to do the vo- the, the voice affectation of mm-hmm. of 70s forward can be a little uh but you know i think he does have some genuine fun swagger that's right, like right, oh right. yeah that's Han solo no yeah absolutely i think he's straight up good i think uh-huh. he is he's a, he's a fun charismatic sort of swashbuckler space pirate lead mm-hmm. um you know we we uh another uh, previous uh previous uh entry in this podcast john carter could have done with an alden aaron reich in mm-hmm. the uh in the role like that's the type of swagger this type of role needs and yeah i absolutely agree uh aaron reich is good and i was i was not in any doubt of that because i i had seen him in beautiful creatures mm-hmm. uh the ya movie and <laughs> yeah. uh uh with, uh hail caesar he's, he's great kind of like it. a yeah, he's a really funny, like dumb hick trying to <laughs> trying to play in a in a in a chamber drama, and he's great in that. So I was like, no, he'll probably, you know, space pirate is not the most demanding role. You just got to be cool, and yeah, he can do that. He absolutely did that. Um, so yeah, no, I I follow you there, dear Travis. Now here's the question, though: Do you think the movie would have saved itself a lot of trouble if? if Alden was playing just another scoundrel space pirate and not Han Solo. If this was not a Han Solo movie, just like this was, I don't know, the Dash Rendar movie. The Dash Rendar. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Because you don't really need, and, and I also think that it would have cost you a lot less because mm-hmm. you don't need to hit those particular plot beats. You don't need to do the Kessel Run. Mm-hmm. You don't need to specifically do the, you know, uh, what the fuck, the uh, uh, winning the Falcon in Sabacc. Yeah, uh, you don't you need know, to do all the quotes that are callbacks to yeah, the other, you know, right, Harrison right, right. Ford quotes. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, the, the the Kessel Run is like, you know, doing the fucking big mine operation thing mm-hmm. and then the, the fighting the monster in the black hole. Yeah. Like you could save yourself a bunch of shit doing a little something a little more, you know. Guy gets into space trouble with space gangsters. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, um, uh, you could you could have easily made a made a movie for like I don't know a hundred mil or something. And, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then again, would people show up for Rando Space Pirate, a Star Wars story? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because Rogue One uh made a billion dollars and was pretty well received without having like familiar characters too so i don't know like uh, yeah but uh, rogue one also very heavily uh traded in um new hope style imagery yeah yeah really tying itself to the to the first movie yeah i don't know i don't know but i i mean would of audiences had seen it more than you know solo which you know kind of mm -hmm. If it wouldn't have been solo, I mean, I'm all up. I'm I'm super down for Star Wars stepping away from established characters. I'm I'm super down for that. But if it weren't if it weren't to been solo, I think audiences might have been like, "This is just Star Lord." I just I just seen. Oh, I, yeah. You know, yeah, I kind of see your point there. Yeah. Oh, I've, I don't I've know. seen Guardians of the Galaxy, and you know, like obviously, not every you know science fiction action comedy is going to be but like 
people are going to think that, you know, yeah. uh, I remember when Pacific Rim came out and the trailers came out and like, we know that it's got a different pedigree, but to a normal moviegoer, like, why is it different from Transformers, you know? Yeah, 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 I get Yeah, I get it. Um, yeah, but I, th- I guess personally for me, I would have been fine with it being just another... I feel like you could have probably had Alden played another original character and even an EU character who no one gave a shit about except for Star Wars nerds. Right. And you probably could have even kept some of the more fan service thing. Like, I think it could have still been like a Dash Rendar movie, but you still could have had like Don- Donald Glover as Lando. As Lando, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that would have been like your big like, oh, here's your big legacy character. It's Lando, yeah, yeah. but... With the hot young actor Donald Glover this time. Yeah. You know? now, now let me tell you, Uh-oh. Glover. Now he's doing a Billy D impression. <laughs> he is actually now. I think he's fine, but he <laughs> is definitely. And I don't. I say this not as a negative, but he is definitely channeling a. Right. In fact, I would say, and I'm not saying again, not saying this as a negative, but uh, the he hosted Saturday Night Live. Uh, around the time of solo's release and he did lando for a sketch and he was pretty much bringing the same energy in that <laughs> right, to the right. movie but uh, yeah he definitely was like it's always talking like this and always you know he's always fine doing the lando you know the billy d williams thing that's a, that's a good billy d voice <laughs> yeah yeah no no exactly i'm not saying this in any disparaging way but like you brought you brought up uh, Aaron Reich doing occasionally he dips into the seventies Harrison Ford voice, but so I did definitely felt like I needed to say, uh, but but Donald is doing that way harder than yeah. you know. But do uh, I feel he, like he gets less one because you know Lando, whether you think this is right or not, he's maybe a lesser character than Solo. Yeah, he's more and, of a supporting character than Han. And also that people know Donald Glover and generally you know they like donald glover yeah, and uh, it feels like and that, and that feels like you know even before you see the movie that feels like a more quote-unquote right type of casting than right someone trying to you know uh recreate harrison ford you know yeah, yeah. okay I, sure yeah i get that it's a bit like like why the what's the what's the name of uh, jonas would told me uh, nobody, nobody's dissing him for uh, taking Peter Mayhew's place. <laughs> and I gotta say, another thing I do like about this movie is, uh, I think uh, him, uh, that actor whose name I can't pronounce, him as Chewie and Alden's Han, I think have good chemistry. I think they, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Han and Chewie are, yeah. are total buds in this, and they and they work quite well. Yeah, I think you instantly buy through. Alden's charisma and uh, that actor's, you know, physical performance that uh, that they would quickly become buds, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, since we're going on about the cast, I also mm-hmm. feel that, uh, to my opinion, at least, mm-hmm. uh, this is Amelia Clark's best role. I feel. I haven't seen her in everything that she's done, but she's cool. Mm. She's conflicted. Uh, mm. I think she's great. I think she's great. Hmm. I am not sure I agree on that. No, no. Um, now, I want to say this. If I disagree, it's not because of Amelia Clark. I actually feel like Amelia Clark is a very fun actress who, mm-hmm. I don't know what the circumstances are, but seems to unfortunately get 
involved in projects that aren't the best or they <laughs> right. aren't the best received but it's like uh, and I don't think she's necessarily bad I guess it's like I don't know Kiara to me is I, I don't know she's not the most interesting character to me for for me it's more representative of I feel like again and I could be making this all up in my head but I feel like one issue that Amelia Clark seems to run into is that, you know, of course she got so famous from Game of Thrones in a role there that like a lot of her roles that she got from that fame seem to cast her in more kind of serious and steely type roles. And I never think she's necessarily uh, bad in those roles, but it always feels like I don't know. There's just something a little undercooked, I guess. Every time I see Amelia Clark in these type of uh, movie roles, whether it's this or uh, uh, Terminator Genesis or, uh, or, or God, the fucking recent Secret Invasion uh, television <laughs> series that nobody remembers. <laughs> uh, I've but, fucking forgotten that one. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, again, it's nothing against Clark. I, I do like her, but it's like, yeah, I but I haven't seen a role that seems to have really captured a certain charisma and spirit that she has. And it's like, I don't know if like, again, I don't, I, 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 guess, I guess she's a little, I don't even want to say flat, a little like just un, un noteworthy in my opinion. She gets to be a little morally gray, let's say, you know, not, not necessarily... Uh, on a star you know star wars is very black and white so this is this is a pretty morally gray character she's he's han's you know ex-girlfriend slash buddy and han is already the kind of morally gray character han and lando and she she tips even a little more towards the um towards the bad side so i'm personally charmed by that because ever since han was not allowed to shoot first in the special edition star wars has been ridiculously black and white i mean i i understand the need for black and white storytelling in the uh you know in, in essentially these fantasy space opera movies mm -hmm. but they've taken it to such an extent that it it at times you feel like you're watching friggin episodes of uh, he-man and the mass of the universe you know a classic <laughs> uh, yeah. um and especially for a female character in star wars to be able to be sympathetic yet kind of murky mm -hmm. is, is uh, no big deal is uh, to me at least like mm -hmm. that's I'm, I'm i'm a hold i'm kind of uh holding myself onto what's and um also not um not uh not unimportant whenever i did a uh this is the first time since theaters that i didn't watch it as part of a sort of a star wars full rewatch and Solo is the first movie you watch right after the prequels. Yes. Yeah. If you if you start with if you do start chronologically, yeah, 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 right. yeah. So Kira, after three movies of Padme, is like really, really <laughs> fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> I can so see that. I I understand where you're coming from. I I actually agree that like Amelia Clark is a lot goofier than the sort of steely ladies that she tends to be cast as. Mm -hmm. 
but I think this is the best example, in my opinion, at least, of a, one of those steely ladies that um, <laughs> that she gets that she's gotten cast at, which don't entirely take uh, advantage of her of her um, capabilities, of her of her of her bonuses, of her um, strengths, but. Um, it's at least in a yeah. movie that doesn't that that doesn't completely suck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is also <laughs> a uh, a win for Amelia. <laughs> uh, now there is a character who I think we do need to discuss because I think, and and it has been talked about this character, and I think be, not only I think just because when you dig more deeper, it starts you start to open up a big can of worms with the Star Wars universe. <laughs> And that's L3, the droid played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And again, this is another case where um, I watched Fleabag, so I really like Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I enjoy Uh her. Um, I actually thought she was pretty fun in Dial of Destiny when I saw that a month Mm -hmm. or so ago. The character, though, is an issue. Because the thing is, is that, like, her thing you know, obviously is about droid rebellion and freeing the, the droids. But it's like, Ooh, I think the first can of worms that that opens up is like the kind of one of the unspoken things about the Star Wars universe is, <laughs> yeah. is you can't bring up the droids. The droids right. just have to be comedic relief at best. Right. Yes, you can care <laughs> about them. You can care about what happens to 3PO and R2, but you can't explore <laughs> what the role of droids are and what their sentience is because then (laughs) when you actually try to address it even comedically so which that has its issues that will probably but but whether it's dramatically or comedically when you bring up the unspoken thing it starts to become an issue (laughs) right (laughs) i I mean how do you feel uh no yeah absolutely um (laughs) um it brings me back to, I don't remember if it was in the Jawa Sandcrawler or in, or in uh, Jawa's Palace. There's like this droid that's being tortured. Yeah, in Jedi, in Jawa's Palace. Yeah, yeah. The one and, like the, they burn it, his feet. Yeah, and he's and like, he goes, ah! and 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 it's like if you like, okay, yeah, it's a torture room for droids. Okay, fine. It's like, ooh, watch out, R two and three PO. But if you think about that for a single second, it's like, wait. Are droids programmed to feel pain? <laughs> yeah. Were we supposed to laugh when 3PO gets blown to pieces in Cloud right. City in that previous movie? Uh-huh. And uh, so, and yeah, L3 brings up the concept of like droid slavery. Yeah. <laughs> and and like the, uh, they don't like working for humans. <laughs> and like, it's just, they're just, walking gag machines in general you know and if and if you're cutely designed enough and if you have the right human friends then we as an audience will empathize with you but that's as far as it goes you know i think yeah again it's like when you bring up robot slavery it's like you have (laughs) to go all the way back to the first movie where where when you have like the jawa sandcrawler and you see and you have luke and uncle owen like buying you know 3po and r2 <laughs> and suddenly like those have like context that you do- that you never wanted right. to address and it's like oh yeah 
And because because then how do you write yourself out of that? Like, how do you address that from from the, how does every single Star Wars media thing address that from now on? How does like the future Mandalorian and Grogu movie grapple with that? How does uh, the, the, that Ray movie grapple with that? Right, right, right. I, I, I personally think that we're going to sweep it under the rug. And I just don't think we're going to come oh, no. back to that. Yeah, because again, you can't. How do you, how? Right. <laughs> I think, and what was so funny is that like, if droids are that level of sent, because you, you brought up Mandalorian and Grogu, mm-hmm. um, they they build him that little like robot like sort of Pacific Rim situation. Where oh, that IG uh, unit voiced by Taika yeah. Waititi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like so, <laughs> considering what L three told us, like this is kind of like building Grogu a corpse to drive. <laughs> oh, speaking of corpses to drive. If it's introducing the thing that a, a droid sentience is has as much value as any uh you know other life form, then the fact that like L3's brain is then uploaded into the Millennium Falcon <laughs> and that wait, but then Han wins the gets the Millennium Falcon <laughs> back, and it's like this is like the worst nightmare for l3 in a way like like again this is one of those like real again i'm sure when they were writing this movie they're like oh isn't this funny if we had this for a thing but it's like no no (laughs) we have to actually think about this yeah absolutely and it's like she she (laughs) she's separated from lando for like 20 years or whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh yeah and, and then at some point after Return of the Jedi gets dumped in a in a garbage mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> for, yeah. on Jakku for like yeah. 30 years. <laughs> it's it, yeah, it's 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 a it, it really becomes like a nightmare. Almost like that poem, like I have no mouth, therefore I cannot scream. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I have no processing unit, therefore I can't make a quippy British joke. <laughs> <laughs> the I was thinking about this earlier, bringing up L3 and Phoebe. It's funny that the two iconic Harrison Ford characters, Indy and Han, were revisited in their um, making their fifth appearance. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in Solo and Dial of Destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and both of them were quote unquote Hollywood flops. In uh, yeah. The, in the sense that, yeah. you know, and both of them featured Phoebe Waller Bridge. And I was like, <laughs> that is so weirdly cosmically like, like it's in, in both instances, it's the fifth appearance of yeah. the character. Yeah. It features Phoebe Waller Bridge and they're like, Flops, but not really by any human standard. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I guess realistically, I guess Lucasfilm must like Waller Bridge. Um, yeah, again, yeah. Again, she's fun. Again, I like her as a knight, but it's like, yeah, that L3. And again, to bring up the fact that, like, we're so, okay, if we're take, if we are to take your premise of, okay, robots, if these robots are slaves, that, but, all the L3 Rebellion stuff is played for last. Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. oh, look at L3. She's just concerned of, 
She doesn't even worry about the high. She just wants to free all the robots and ha ha ha. Isn't that <laughs> funny? And it's like, no, now that you, now that we have in our brains that they are slaves, <laughs> you can't make it funny now. Again, this is like, again, you can't put this in our minds, Star Wars. You broke your own reality even more than Metachlorians. Yeah, it's, it's the, yeah, again, Metachlorians are a perfect example of, um, Star Wars introducing something that nobody liked, and we we're all just going to politely not go back to that. I don't think, I don't think they mentioned mini chlorians at any point after the Phantom Menace in uh-huh. any movie uh-huh. or a show or whatever. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Watch I'm, in two I'm, I'm, in two years, Solo: A Star Wars Story will also become one of those Star Wars legends. Like, hey, you know, <laughs> it, it could have happened, it might have happened, but maybe not a hundred percent how it happened. You yeah. know. <laughs> Ironically, like, ooh, L three doesn't care about the heist, just about those dumb droid rights. It's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, it's the tradition of Qui Gon, where he's only concerned about the pod race. But I didn't come here to free slaves, you know. <laughs> no, just a boy. I just want to buy a boy. <laughs> Which, oh, that's that's weird. <laughs> I'm here. I've come to this remote place, uh, to this remote country, to to buy a boy slave. That's not that's not weird. <laughs> I, I saw a, a post like a, a week ago or so. Imagine being the Jedi accountant on Coruscant, being like, "Okay, travel trip expenses for Jin Qui Gon." Mm-hmm. Huh? A boy? That can't be right. No, no. Wait a minute. This Naboo <laughs> ship was used for the Epstein Express. <laughs> Speaking of bad guys, oh. I think uh, Paul Bettany does a uh, does a good job. And like, he's not he's not very. Um, He's just, you know, bad drug lord guy, but Same it's fun. nice in Star it's yeah, exactly. It's nice in Star Wars to just see guy who's a fucking asshole. He's yeah. not he's not some, you know, sinister Sith or part of some cult or mm-hmm. or or you know, um acolyte of some dark force or whatever. He's just a fucking asshole looking to get paid and he's putting the pressure on you to deliver, you know, and that's Okay, great. More of that, please. <laughs> yeah, I it um and of course we should say that he was a new actor cuz let's finally bring in the elephant in the room. The original directors of this movie were Chris Miller and Phil Lord and they were replaced by Ron Howard and one of the f- things that happened was that Paul Bettany was brought in for the reshoots because originally the crime lord of this movie was played by Michael K. Williams. Michael K. was not available for the reshoots, so Paul Bettany came in. Oh, um, shit. Oh, yeah. wow. And I think Michael K. Williams, I think it was said he had like a feline alien look to him. Like he actually had like prosthetics okay. on his face and whatnot. But so Paul came in as kind of like a favor. Um, but like I said, Paul's having fun. You know, he he just sort of has like the one note, like, yeah, I'm just an asshole, evil, delightfully evil crime boss. And yeah, I can do that. And it's like, yeah, he's having fun. But let's go ahead and address this. So I don't know. It's weird because here's the funny thing I think we get in retrospect. So if you read about any of the behind the scenes drama, you can go online and find all the drama and stories about lord and miller being sacked for howard but the big thing that seems to come up what it with was the good old creative differences and the big thing i guess is that 
Lord and Miller have a really improvisational style. Maybe they don't always have a clear idea on the day they're shooting of what the tone or, or objective is. So they're just going to kind of keep playing around with it until they find it. Um, and that kind of right. clash with the more structured way that they do Star Wars movies. And that's what led K Kathleen Kennedy to dismiss them and bring in a more like traditional filmmaker like Ron Howard. Now, what I find interesting is that recently, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, despite it being a big success, kind of got some of its own negative press because Phil Lord is said to have been a guy who kind of overworked the animation staff because right, he right, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. would do overtime. He wouldn't always have ideas or he would change ideas on the fly last minute. So, you know, maybe at the time it was kind of like, ah, old Kathleen Kennedy, she doesn't know what's up. Lord Miller, they're the fresh new hot filmmakers. Then, you know, they're, they're, that's just the new guys versus the old establishment. But now with the Spider-Verse stuff, it's like, Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if there's a little bit more credence to that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Because uh, with, um, obviously, like, if, if we look at the timeline, obviously Force Awakens was micromanaged to death in the sense mm -hmm. that, you know, deliver the most safest popcorn blockbuster movie possible, which they did. I don't, I don't know to what extent there were. I'd like to fight in trouble. I don't mind it because I think it's quite enjoyable still. Absolutely, Force Awakens is, is lovely. Yeah, mm -hmm. nothing, um, nothing new under the sun, but it's it's smooth sailing. It it's, had it's to a do fun, a course. I know we're not talking yeah. about Force Awakens, but it had to fulfill certain mandates for both corporate reasons Absolutely. and fandom reasons, and it did it very well. End of yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then we have Rogue One, which is the first instance of hearing about big reshoots and Gareth Edwards not being. I don't think Gareth Edwards was full on fired from the movie though right i don't know if you remember the scuttlebutt uh, was that well now i guess it's like kind of like common knowledge that tony gilroy was yeah. brought in but he was never fired but it was like a weird if you listen to like scuttlebutt scuttlebutt rumors right, right, right. it was a weird situation where gareth edwards could be on set for mm -hmm. the reshoots with tony gilroy but gareth couldn't necessarily have inputs Oh, weird. <laughs> yeah. Again, this is the scuttlebutt of scuttlebutt rumors. So uh, there we go. Okay. So, but yeah, there was definitely stuff going on there that made it to the mainstream press. Then we have Last Jedi, which was, uh, you know, ultimately ended up being the most quote unquote controversial one, even though mm. it's the most well received and reviewed one of them all. Hey, hey, hey hot, another hot take for me. My favorite Star yeah. Wars movie. Mm. End of story. Yeah. We're moving on, moving on. Mine too, but uh, <laughs> the uh, but as far as I know, there was no scuttlebutt on that where like Ryan Johnson was being met with uh, Kathleen Kennedy wagging her finger like don't do that, Ryan Johnson, don't do that, whatever you know. That as far as I know, that was a pretty smooth production. Yeah, uh, apparently uh, Kathleen and Ryan like Kathleen loved working with Ryan and yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Um, so when um when Solo comes around. Mm -hmm. And having Lord and Miller be full-on fired mm -hmm. is uh, is a big feels like a big deal at that yeah. point. Yeah. To to actually um you know, uh because now I'm starting to feel with I I never heard that um 
Tony Gilroy thing about like Gareth being on set, but not necessarily being allowed to do anything. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they were probably still in that sort of safe Force Awakens. Hey, let's not damage the brand in any way mm -hmm. uh, type of mode. Like, yeah, you can be here, but uh, we're we're in police mode. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. And apparently, if the reports are to be believed that, like, it wasn't like they shot some of Solo and then Lord Miller were fired, by all accounts, at least 60%, maybe even 70% of the movie was already shot. And Lord, <laughs> and Lord and Miller were dismissed and Ron Howard was brought in to do all these extensive reshoots, so... I mean, God, aren't you curious to watch <laughs> what were what were the scenes? Like, weren't you... Yeah. Yeah, like what I'd was so to, wrong? Right. I'd love to know what, you know, because there's no co-credit. Ron Howard is the solely credited director yeah. of this movie. I think Miller and Lord get a executive producer credit because I think uh -huh. enough of their material that they did develop is in the movie. So contractually, you know, they have to give that credit. But no, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this is a directed by Ron Howard movie. Right, right, right. And... I, I seem to remember, this is pretty vague, but I seem to remember reading that they were dismissed because while Lucasfilm was expecting, you know, uh, a movie with, you know, jokes and comedic elements, they mm -hmm. were straight up shooting a comedy. Yeah, like they were and doing they, another 21 Jump Street or something. Yeah, exactly. And uh, boy, I think... I think Star Wars could have used that. It could still use that, a full-on <laughs> yeah, yeah. comedy. Yeah, yeah, um, From, you know, people that know how to how to do... don't know if you've seen Dungeons & Dragons, but... Oh, yeah, um, Honor Among Thieves. Wait, which Dungeons yeah, & Dragons? Honor Among Thieves, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I've seen both of them, and I think they're both fun in diamet diametrically different ways. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but the... Um, I think... That is a good example of like a big IP that's not necessarily comedic, uh, you know, big fantasy action adventure IP being done by actual comedy directors being treated with, you know, uh, you know, enough gravitas for there to be dramatic moments that hit, but also just full on straight comedy uh, in the movie. And I think that worked great. Um, people liked it. It's well reviewed. Uh, it's sort of it's 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 another one of those Hollywood flops. <laughs> uh, Although I guess there may be a chance that it gets a sequel, so who knows? Okay, but yeah, if I think Star Wars could absolutely do with a movie like in the vein of Honor Among Thieves, you know? Yeah, uh, I mean, is Honor is Honor Among Thieves? Honestly, now that I'm thinking more about that movie, which I did enjoy, should that have been what Solo would have been? Because that's also there's a scoundrel in the center of it, a bunch of fun yeah. characters, and a bunch of heists and a fantasy. Is that what the Solo movie should have been? I ultimately think that the Solo movie that we got was not that far from it. You know, there were there were jokes. It may not have been a full-on overt comedy, but it did feel pretty lighthearted scene to scene. I, I At no point was I was like, Oh, this is an epic adventure with serious gravitas. It was always just about Han getting paid, you yeah. know. And like, okay, he may maybe has that like, okay, sure, you, you proto rebels, take it, whatever, I'll, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, but generally, the the stakes never go beyond Han wants to get paid because he wants to get Kira off the 
off that rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and it's pretty funny throughout. Uh, the characters have good chemistry, you know, mm-hmm. give or take that L3 storyline misstep. That mm-hmm. it's if you're saying, you know, it should have been more like Dungeons and Dragons. To what extent isn't it even? You know, mm. uh, I think that uh, Disney Disney wanted to um, brand police too hard. Yeah, and because um, it's not it's not like the movie that came out wasn't comedic, wasn't lighthearted. Um, <laughs> so it could have saved themselves a a lot of reshoot costs <laughs> and b bad uh bad brand news uh, you know the the, the bad, bad buzz uh, yeah bad buzz exactly because like again uh, not, not only do you have the thing of like oh no a, a han solo movie without harrison ford but it's like oh but did you hear the directors were fired yeah exactly uh-huh <laughs> and i think um yeah that's uh it's again i keep coming back to the, my dial of destiny take where it's like mm-hmm. you you brought this "quote unquote" bomb on yourself, <laughs> Disney. I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, I enjoyed the movie for what it was. You know, did we need it? No, it was a fun times movie, after all. But you micromanaged it to the point that it needed to make what half a billion dollars or whatever mm-hmm. to break even. So fuck you. <laughs> yeah, and we're not one of these internet people who's all like, "Er, Disney, er." We want to see the Empire fall, or even that. But it's like, man, when you again, it's the if we see a studio fuck up, that's your fuck up studio, you know. And yeah, and you, exactly. And you and and especially the, I feel like in these past years, we have seen so many, so many public fuck ups. Whether it's these mega budget movies that don't make their budgets back, or now with Warner Brothers just flat out deleting movies. You yeah, know, they're doing it again with the Acme and with, Coyote. Yeah, it, it's like, geez, what, what, how can we trust? I mean, not that we should trust movie studios of all people, but it's like, <laughs> what the fuck are we, how are we supposed to think you're any intelligent, you know, or hold any intelligence to be in charge of an entertainment corporation if, right, right, if right. these are the things that you're doing, you know, out in public? Right, absolutely. Um. And I, I think that, and, and it's so funny because now, um, now Solo is also like the one um, Star Wars movie that has the, you know, be it deserved or not reputation of being a bomb. And it also is the only Star Wars movie that ends with kind of like plot threads dangling because like it randomly reveals that Darth Maul. Oh, <laughs> God. Can, let's, we, oh, I think, okay. Do you wanna? I think we need to unpack the Darth <laughs> Maul cameo. Um, because the thing is, is that throughout the whole movie, they are so building to this fan service cameo. Like, oh my goodness, you don't want to upset the head of Crimson Dawn. Crimson Dawn, the head, him. Oh, look at the Crimson Dawn. And then it's uh, yeah, it's Ray Park, but not Sarah Finowitz as the voice. It's uh, S- Sam, Sam Witwer. From the from the Clone Wars, uh, or right. from the CGI cartoons, who does the Darth Maul voices, and uh, <laughs> that cameo is so funny because obviously it's there to get all the Star Wars nerds to get up on their 
you know, on their feet and be like, hey, Dark Vader, we Dark Vader again, yeah, hooray, and uh, hey, and <laughs> the fact that like his final thing before he cuts out of his calm is to uh, beam up his his lightsaber. They'd be That's like, right, it's me, motherfucker, it's me, guy, hey, get get it straight. It's, it's, it's me, Darth Maul. I'm back, baby. Get ready for Solo Two, cause Darth Darth Maul is back. The, the score plays you of the fates too. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, do you think non or like very soft fans of Star Wars when they saw the movie, they were like, uh, it's, a, it's the guy. It's the it's the guy because like you know he hadn't been in a movie since Phantom Menace. Like, oh yeah him <laughs> <laughs> then we cut that guy in half <laughs> yeah exactly he's alive what what okay the red guy the guy who looks like the insidious demon <laughs> oh yeah i remember when i when i saw insidious for the first time i burst out laughing i was like that's fucking Darth Maul. yeah oh maybe instead of duel of the faith they should have played tiptoe through the tulips when, <laughs> when, he, when he pulled out his lightsaber <laughs> i should have creepily appeared from behind kira <laughs> uh, um oh do we have any more oh uh, yeah i the, the before we get into, I, you're the more, you're the bigger Star Wars fan than me. So before we get into most trashy, least trashy, are there any sort of bigger opinions on this movie you want to get out before the formal wrap up start? I think in general, the movie does a lot of like, besides that stupid fucking Darth Maul thing, that's actually so bad that I kind of love it because it's so funny and 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 pathetic. But <laughs> uh, but the movie actually does a lot of um sort of fan easter egging in non-conspicuous ways uh when um kira like kung fu's a guard and l3 is like oh my god well, what was that and she's like uh i i mastered teraskasi oh yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and uh, i was like oh my god that's i mean if you don't know star wars it's like okay that's probably space kung fu or whatever but if you're a big Star Wars nerd, you, you're, you're like, oh my god, he's a master of Tereskasi, just like the 90s PS2 game uh, <laughs> Masters of Tereskasi. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's a moment where um, uh, like they come back to um, Paul Bettany's uh, like ship, and he's like having a snack, and he's like, ah, oh, hello, no, welcome, you guys. Uh, some colo clawfish. And everyone's like, uh, no thanks. And, you know, okay, that's fine. It's If you're a casual persons like uh, okay he's eating something gross and everyone's like oh, no thanks it's mm -hmm. fine um it works the scene works it's mm -hmm. fine but if you're a big star wars nerd you're like a colo clawfish that's one of those big grouper fish from naboo <laughs> oh i don't think i caught that yeah so uh, uh but see exactly that's that's a that's a funny little yeah. easter egg that you have to be a huge nerd to even get but it's completely inconspicuous for a normal viewer mm-hmm you know, I, uh, and I think I think you can absolutely load your fucking Star Wars movies with that type of shit. Yeah. But everyone wants to everyone wants to fucking do it. in you know, like Darth Maul there or 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 like in Rogue One where you briefly see C-3PO and it's like, oh, hello. Uh, dude, what, what? It's so busy here on mm -hmm, Raven 4, mm -hmm. the planet from Star Wars New Hope <laughs> 1977. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, but like the Colo Clawfish and Masters of Terracasi, that's okay, that's great for nerds and yeah. also doesn't doesn't disrupt the flow of the movie yeah. in any way, you know? 
Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, quick shout out to, I think it's fucking great when you see the Imperial propaganda. Oh, like, I'm glad you brought this up. Yes, yes, yes. And there's the there's the voice going, be all you can be for the Empire. And you hear uh, the Imperial March, but in major key. So it's like really happily going. And then it's like, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna be a pilot, the best I can be. And then it cuts to him in this fucking hellhole, yeah. getting bombed to shit. And like the the happy dee, 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 mm-hmm. is like morphs into the most monstrous, almost kaiju style. And it's like, oh, that's fucking great. That's that's great editing. That's like playing with like the iconography. Yeah. Um. So uh, I I think that that shit was fucking great. Yeah. Um. You know what I okay, also well, what, what did you want to say? Well, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because another moment I wanted to bring up from that I love is that you brought up the lighter motif of the Imperial March. But then when I was rewatching, I was like, wait a minute. Is that the first ever diegetic music of John <laughs> Williams score in a Star Wars movie? Yeah, that's indeed. That's it kind of establishes the it's it's like when James Bond plays the James Bond theme in Octopus. <laughs> <laughs> or when uh Ray and Winston play the Ghostbusters song at that birthday party. <laughs> birthday <Ghostbusters> party. <laughs> uh, uh, but, oh, what while, while uh, I was watching this movie, because like you know, I love you, Travis. And I okay. was like, oh, you know what? You know what is what would be the equivalent of solo for like Ghostbusters fans? Uh-oh. Uh-huh. If they did a young like Venkman the College Years movie, mm-hmm. and like it's not really like maybe there's some hints towards ghosts or whatever, but like it's generally just a college comedy. <laughs> and it's it's like, okay, why did this need to be a Venkman movie? Yeah. But like it's pretty it turns out to be pretty funny and it's fine and yeah. like you know the the it's not that the franchise has so many sacred cows that like the, that like a funny enough college comedy is is not anything sacrilegious or whatever and i'm like yeah that's kind of what solo is yeah. it's like venkman the college years and it turned out to be pretty funny completely useless but yeah whatever i <laughs> feel like it. I feel like a young Peter Venkman movie would be that stereotypical college comedy that Homer Simpson sees on TV. You know, this bravo better work. <laughs> this panty raider better work, Spangler. <laughs> uh, oh God! Don't give don't give Sony ideas. <laughs> Um, uh, anyway, uh, let's get into wrap-ups. Let's go into most trashy, least trashy, our most favorite, least favorite stuff about this film. So let's kick it off with most trashy. Luana, for you, what was your most trashy, least favorite thing about this film? Uh, they killed off Thandiwe Newton way too quick, way far too little Thandiwe Newton. Uh, she's great. Uh, Star Wars generally does not have enough women, certainly not enough women of color. And you had Thandiwe Newton there, who was fucking awesome. And frankly, you could have mushed her and Beckett into one character and made her the, you know. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think wasting Thandiwe Newton, uh, not quite as offensive as wasting uh, Kelly Marie Tran, Rise Skywalker, but, you know, just another just another uh, 
notch in Star Wars belt for not respecting women of color. <laughs> um, so that that is like that is the one thing that I straight up hate about the movie. Like all the other stuff that I think is bad, like the droid stuff or Darth Maul, is like so ill advised that it kind of becomes funny. And wasting Fenduwe is like, nah, that's nah, that kind of fucking sucks. How about you, Travis? What what do you think is the most trashy thing? To kind of circle back to a point you made earlier in the episode, I think for me, the plot element that, I mean, we already talked about L3 and all this, but honestly, I think the plot element that doesn't work for me the most is infant, Infant's Nest. Um, because, infant, yeah. yeah, Infant's Nest. Because going back to how... Infant's Nest. Infant's Nest. He's not an infant. Infant Nest. In, <laughs> infinite Nest. Infinity War Avengers, uh, <laughs> Invincible Prime Video. Uh, anyway, what I don't like about the Marauders is I'm um, going back to a point you made about how you don't like that characters under Disney owned Star Wars have to be so black and white. And to right. me, the Marauders, who you know, it's revealed, oh, they're not really Marauders, these are. You know, uh, these are people, you know, who were victimized by Crimson Dawn and everything. You know, they're actually the good guys. I guess for me, it feels like they're only there to make us assured that Han Solo, who we always know is a good guy, will be a good guy. Right, so, right, so right. like, you know, at the end when he ends up helping them and gives them the coaxium uh, and everything, it feels like. I don't need that. Like, I know why Han Solo became a good guy. I, I saw Star Wars. Yeah, I saw fucking Star Wars. <laughs> I saw Star Wars. I know that. And I know the... And so, like, I feel... like, And it feels like the movie feels like the character arc for Han should be like, no, he's actually a good guy. In fact, that's what Kira says. Like, no, you're actually a good guy. But it's like, I don't think I need that for him to be his arc. Honestly, I think his arc... Should have just been, I can't trust anyone except for Chewbacca. I can't trust Beckett. I can't trust right. Yor. This Wookiee who I just met, he's my bro. That's who I'm going to trust. Right, fuck right, everybody right. That's, where, that's where he's at at the start of Star Wars. Yeah, so it's like that's honestly what I think all you needed. Um, and it just, feel, it, it just feels like the, the Marauders are just there to be like, no, no, you see Han Solo's going to do the right thing he's a right, heart, right. he's a thief with a heart of gold for a reason so don't worry everyone han solo is a good guy and he will do a good thing so i think they're just unnecessary unnecessary for those right, right, reasons right. that's all i on a on a script level i agree with you but i think emphasis nest is cool as hell she looked cool as hell and their theme song reminds me of Kaneda in akira Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I forget <laughs> that actress uh, who was also in Willow and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I like right. I like them, and I I like seeing Warwick Davis without makeup on in a Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I just don't like that. You know, I don't. No, like but I, I do get that on a story level. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. But you know, let's move on to least trashy, our most favorite thing. So go ahead. What's your least favorite, most or least trashy, most favorite thing about this movie? Um, I think the general character work of the leads, um, Han, Chewie, Lando, uh, well, in, in my case, I, I like Kira as well. The, uh, what I like is that this is, this is really the first time that Star Wars focuses on 
normal people. Um, we had Rogue One, but Rogue One, kind of like Star Wars, the original, like, you know, Luke's a normal guy too, but he gets swept up into like the war so quickly. And, you know, while the people in Rogue One aren't like senators and Jedi or whatnot, they, they do become like military operatives right away. And Solo is the first time that we, in a movie, in a Star Wars movie, just focus on regular poor people doing their best to survive. They are in a Star Wars, but they are not fighting a Star War. <laughs> right, right. They're just in, you know, they're on the ground. Just exactly you know, trying to make a living. Exactly. And I think these types of stories are uh, definitely what what Star Wars needs more, you know, because mm -hmm. in, in these um, big epic good versus evil narratives, um, it's, yeah, you always get to the same thing. It's like uh, good guys and bad guys, but uh, it's it's nice to see just people trying to make a living, trying to trying to survive and, uh, you know, uh, having a, sometimes having a rough time, but uh, being there for each other. And uh, that's, a, that's a nice thing that the whole universe, the whole, you know, franchise could do, could do more uh, with. Uh, and yeah, so, uh, I guess what, what I like most is that for all its huge, you know, uh, IP-centered storytelling, um, there is a heart that comes through still, despite being a, you know, a big reshot blockbuster, you know, <laughs> franchise movie. I also honorable mention to uh, John Powell's pretty great score, to be honest, and that's a that's a good John Williams cosplay right there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I dig it. Um, I How about think, you, Travis? What's uh, your favorite? You know, I think for me, I honestly think the my favorite parts is um, the first quarter of the movie. I think everything from when we first see Solo, uh, I forget the names, but when they're on the, the, the slum planet and, Corellia. and on Corellia and they're trying to escape up to the very first heist on the train when they're trying to steal the coaxium, I think is like the most entertaining part of the movie. And I think it's probably because going back to that, should this been a solo movie or not, it feels less connected to trying to establish the, the lore of Han Solo. And we're just right, seeing, right. you know, just a bunch of people just do heist stuff. And I think, I honestly think that first quarter is a lot of fun. And then, I think the Kessel Run is fine, but I just don't find it to be as more a more interesting or fun sequence as the train scene. And then, you know, uh, you know, I talked about the Marauders and how they figure into the plot and that. But uh, I actually think I, it. And so I think that's where a lot of my issues stem from is because I enjoyed that first quarter of the movie. It's like, oh, but if the movie only kind of maintained this that they got then i think this could have been a more successful movie so i'm gonna say the first quarter even though i don't hate this movie i think the first quarter is its strongest yeah and i i think we are kind of in sync there too because i feel like the first quarter most feels like the story of a normal person a normal poor person in the star wars universe and the you know the the rest of the movie, Kessel Run, Getting the Falcon, is all about 
it hitting those fan beats, becoming a Star Wars movie. You know, it's like, oh yeah, okay, we're we're not telling a story in the Star Wars universe anymore. We are telling us we are we are dropping Star Wars content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I like uh, I like that Linda Hunt, legendary actress, voice. Oh yeah, it, she's the monster. Plays a, a monster, a sea creature's crime boss. I love. I enjoy. <laughs> I, I enjoy that. I was like, oh, I, I would like to see more of that big weird Linda Hunt voice of crime boss who's a Lady monster. Proxima, yeah. Lady Proxima. And that, that's a great name. Um, but yeah. it, but is this a great movie? We'll discuss that with our final question. So let's get to the. Ultimate question, final question. Luana, give us your final thoughts by answering the question. Is Solo, a Star Wars story, a trash movie? It is a movie born out of trash impulses, and those trash impulses certainly find their way to the screen in several um, several elements. But overall, I find that the movie is fun and entertaining enough that I do not deem it trash. In fact, I quite like it. I'm not going to say it's a great movie, but um, a trash would be uh, a um, would be a serious disturbance. Also, I mean, the last Star Wars thing I watched was Ahsoka, and the, that makes Solo look so fucking good. <laughs> uh, how about you, Travis? I am going to pretty much agree with you and say no i don't think this is a trash movie now we talked about lord and miller being fire but to bring up ron howard you know ron howard has definitely made uh some great movies some fun competent movies and this is i think a, a good one i think he generally is a guy you bring in to bring to do you know a a four quadrant crowd pleasing movie and that's what solo ended up being i think it's you know, it, it's maybe biggest sin is that it doesn't uh, try to be better than its corporate mandates are allowing it to be, you know, hence the Lord and Miller firing. But I think if you can put away all the drama and all and even try to get over the fan servicey moments, I do think this is basically an entertaining Star Wars movie. And like I said, in retrospect, especially now that people have such a negative opinion of the Star Wars Disney Plus shows of recent output, I think Solo looks a bit better, honestly. And you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. it has actually some more fun characters and some more interesting action set pieces than unfortunately these recent uh streaming <laughs> yeah, shows. Yeah, totally. So uh yeah, and look, I think you know, Star Wars. I have, you know, we'll talk about this maybe another day, but I just have this really weird relationship with Star Wars where it's like, I will like some Star Wars, but God, is there a lot of garbage, both from the film side and the fandom side that just may kind of push me away from loving it. But, you know, ultimately, when I try to determine, is it a trash movie or not, I have to think about the very first thought of, is thing good? And if thing is basically good or not, then I will extrapolate everything else. And for my opinion, like Solo's good. It's basically good. Um, <laughs> you know, for all its faults, I think this is not a bad, I don't think this is a trash movie. Um, and, you know, like I said, and I might have said this on Rise of Skywalker, the, the, the thing about the Star Wars franchise is whether these are lackluster or not, 
Star Wars is just an interesting thing to discuss because there's so many right. moving parts. There's so many uh, different media, so many different inspirations that it takes from that. It's like no matter how you unpack it, it's interesting. So dare I say, you know, I, I whether the next Star Wars thing we discuss is trash or not, I'm, al- I'm always going to look forward to going to that galaxy far, far away. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think what's very special about Star Wars is that it is a movie, first and foremost. And with a lot of like pop culture uh, IPs that are like the MCU, they're based, they're, they're source material. They're, they're based off of comic books, uh, you, you know, name your YA franchise. And they're, you know, obviously based on books. Uh, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, they're, they're based on books. But Star Wars are movies, first and foremost. And that's actually honestly kind of special in the franchise uh, in the franchise landscape nowadays. So um, yeah, it's uh, and like you said, what there's no source material to respect specifically. It's more about like okay, so which which influences are you gonna pull from for your next Star Wars thing? You know, because you know the original Star Wars was just such a jumble of stuff George liked, um, and uh, I think that's something they need to get back to. Like, throw a bunch of stuff together that you yeah. like, that you're passionate about, cover it in a Star Wars topping, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, print it. We're good. <laughs> Rather than trying to make a Star Wars thing. You know, George was not trying to make a Star Wars. He was trying to, you know, he put his own spin on a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff that he liked. Right, and right. That's what you got to do. Yeah, and uh, you know what? I'm glad we did Solo as our final movie of the season because I think it, you know, that's a movie I think that's interesting to unpack and in many ways sort of encapsulates kind of our, I don't know, it, it is it kind of does encapsulate the push and pull that we always try to, you know, discuss on this podcast of like, you know, what's trashy, what's not, does this pull away from that and whatnot. And uh, I like I said, that is the final movie of our season two. But, right. dear listeners, that does not mean this is the final episode of season two, because in two weeks will be our season two finale. Ooh, in which we will reveal our most and least trashy movies of the season. That's right. That's right. In two weeks. You'll be hearing us finally pick, you know, what movies we hated the most and what movies we were the most kindest to from this past season. You'll also hear a a fun clip compilation of our favorite moments from season two. Uh, So, yeah, even though that's our final movie of the season, the fun don't stop because we got that season two finale coming out in two weeks. In the meanwhile, you can follow the show on Twitter at trash movie pod email the show at trash at gmail.com and you can give this show a five-star rating and review on apple Podcasts and spotify in two weeks will be our season two finale with our most trashy and least trashy movie picks of the season but until then the defense rest see ya see ya